our message this morning is called Love Life. Okay, where did I get that title from, right? Love Life. And of course, it's tying in with our uh, adoption week with Love Life uh, this week. And as we spend this coming week praying for and considering various issues and items relating to life, uh, I thought it would be good for us this morning to go right to the source. And uh, what does God's Word tell us about life, about how God views life, and what are our responsibilities when it comes to life? Abortion is a sad reality of life here in the United States and around the world. Thousands of helpless children in our country are killed in the womb every single day. As Frank mentioned, we have an abortion clinic right down the street from our church, Once again, every week, the lives of little children are ended right here, just down the street, ended before they are born. And so what does God's Word tell us about how we should respond to this? What responsibilities do we have as a church, as individuals, as as citizens of this country when it comes to the problem of abortion in our midst? And so our message is called Love Life, and we've got two simple points we're going to look at this morning. God loves life. And he calls us to love life, too. There's an outline in your worship guide. I would encourage you to take that out, to follow along, and jot down some notes as we go along. God loves life. He calls us to love life. Such simple points, and yet they are so essential to helping us understand both God's view of life and abortion and then our responsibilities in light of these truths. So we're going to take a look at these two truths now from God's Word together. So first, and most importantly, God loves life. God loves life. You see, we always need to start with God. God is the creator of this world. He is the one who gives it meaning. And anytime you lose, you lose sight of God in a discussion, guess what? You've lost sight of God's purpose and design for things. You always need to start with God. And God loves life. First, the Bible tells us that God is the giver and sustainer of life. We read Nehemiah's prayer in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6, where he prays, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything. And the multitudes of heaven worship you. And so God is the creator. He is the source. He gives life to everything. There is no life apart from him. And then the Bible tells us that God created all things through Jesus, his son. The Gospel of John says this about Jesus. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The life that God gives to us is found in his son, Jesus. And so without God, there is no life, and without Jesus, there is no life, because Jesus is the son of God. And then we read uh, this about Jesus in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, that for by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, 
All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So not only are all things created by Jesus, but all things are sustained by him as well. God is the giver and sustainer of life. All life comes from him. All life is sustained by his mighty power. And then secondly, as we look at God and life, the Bible tells us that God loves. God loves all his creation. God delights in his creation, all of it, all the time. I love Psalm 104. It's just full of such amazing images of God's creation. Let me just read a couple of verses to you from it, starting at verse 24. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There's the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the the Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there, these all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. Psalm 145, 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving towards all he has made. And so this love of God, this love that is God, this love of God towards all that he has made extends from the highest creatures down to the very smallest and least significant. Remember the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, where he said, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You see, God loves all the life that he created in this world. He created all things in wisdom. He delights in all that he has created. He feeds all of the animals at their appointed times. He is righteous in all his ways. He is loving towards all he has made. He takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. God loves life. He loves all his creation. God loves all life, but he especially loves human life. He especially loves human life, and this is because human life is sacred. Human life is sacred at all stages of life. As Frank said earlier, from the womb to the tomb. And so God makes a distinction between human life and all other forms of life. For example, we read in Genesis chapter 1, first book in the Bible, first chapter, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Human life is sacred because human beings are made in God's image. The Bible tells us that human beings are God's special creation. We read in Genesis 2-7, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living 
being. God not only created us in his image, he personally fashioned us and he breathed the breath of life into us. Human life is sacred. We see this again in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, where God says this, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. And this verse is especially significant because it comes just three verses, okay? Just three verses after God first gives the animals of the earth as food to man. In other words, God is saying in this chapter, okay, it's okay to take the life of an animal for food, but whoever takes the life of a human being for any reason is guilty of murder. For in the image of God has God made man. The Bible tells us that this sacred quality of human life begins even in the womb. David writes this in Psalm 22, a prayer to the Lord. He says, you, O Lord, you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust you, uh, trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. And then later David writes in Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together. In my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And so human beings alone, out of all God's creation, are created in his image. God breathed into us the breath of life at creation. God gave special commands and protections concerning human life because we are created in his image. God knows us from the womb and he is personally involved in fashioning our bodies in the womb. So that's the first thing we need to understand this morning. We start with God, right? We start with God and God loves life. God loves life. God loves life and God calls us to love life too. You see, God is our standard, right? God is our example. We are called to be imitators of God. And so if God loves life, then we are to love life as well. We see this in a number of places and ways in Scripture. First of all, a very simple command, one we're all familiar with, God calls us to love one another, right? To love one another. We read in Matthew 7, 12, the words of Jesus, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And, you know, we often call this the golden rule, right? It's an easy way to teach our children how to treat each other, do to others as you'd have them do to you. But we got to be careful that we don't forget this as adults, right? It's not just for children, right? This is for us as well. Jesus says we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And the application to our topic this morning is clear. None of us would want to be aborted in the womb. Therefore, we should not want anyone else to be aborted either. 
The Bible says something similar when it tells you to love your neighbor as yourself. It's an Old Testament command. Old Testament command, Jesus repeated it. Uh, In the New Testament, we read about it. Uh, In the book of Romans, Romans 13, where Paul writes, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments are summed up in this one rule. One rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. None of us want to be harmed by another person, right? So when you love your neighbor as yourself, you will be careful not to do them any harm. Sadly, abortion does irreparable harm to the unborn. Advocating for abortion is the very opposite of loving your neighbor as yourself. So as Christians, we need to love both the mother and the child, right? Uh, As we would ourselves. Love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to provide better alternatives for both of them. Alternatives that lead to life. 1 John 4.11 tells us why we should love each other this way. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How did God love us? God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That's our ultimate motivation to love, right? God is not asking you to do anything that he did not do first. God loves us, and he calls us to love one another. And then God also calls us to help the helpless. God calls us to put our love into action, and especially for those who are not able to help themselves. In other words, we are not simply to to help those who can help us back, right? But we are especially called to help the helpless. Psalm 41.1 pronounces a blessing on you when you do this. A blessing on the person who helps the weak and the helpless. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Bible says that we are especially to speak up and defend the rights of those who are oppressed. We read from Psalm 82 earlier in the service. Let me go back to a couple verses there, verses 3 and 4. Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And then, of course, Jesus pronounced a special blessing on the little children. And those who were like them. Jesus said, Matthew 19, 14, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. You see, little children are especially helpless, and there are none so helpless as the little ones in the womb. Phil Keggy is a Christian songwriter, an amazing guitarist. He also has, not quite yet, you can hold on to that. He also has a heart for children in the womb and uh, and for our need to protect them. And so I I just want to play you a portion of a beautiful song he wrote 
uh, many years back called Little Ones. And uh, as he shares his heart with you and with me uh, concerning this. Let's go now. Who will speak up for the little ones Helpless and half abandoned They've got a right to choose life They don't want to lose I've got to speak up, won't you? Precious lives are on the line How can we be rid of them? Little hands, little feet Tears for him who made you Should all on earth forsake you now Yet he'll never forsake you speak up for the little ones, helpless and half abandoned. They've got a right to choose life they don't want to lose. I've got to speak up, won't you? I've got to speak up, won't you? God calls us to love one another. He calls us to help the helpless. And then finally, God calls us to rescue the perishing. Obviously, as Christians, we're to help anyone in need, right? But we are especially obligated when it is a matter of life and death. Proverbs 24 tells us this, rescue, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? How can we stand silent when precious human lives are being violently taken away every day. God's word says we have no excuses. We can't say we knew nothing about this, right? God says to rescue those being led away to death. Or again in Jeremiah 22, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of his oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. Jeremiah specifically mentions the alien, the fatherless, and and the widow in this verse. But surely God's command extends to the unborn child as well. There's no one more innocent than the child in the womb. God says, do no wrong or violence 
do not shed innocent blood in this place. So God loves life. God calls us to love life. What can you do practically this week to obey God and to put these teachings into practice? As we close, I want to share with you three applications from today's message. All three are in the outline in your worship guide. First of all, you can pray, right? You can pray. Pray for mothers in crisis pregnancy situations. Pray for the safety of the unborn. Pray for just laws and a compassionate society. Take home the prayer sheet. That's in your worship guide this morning. Take that home and pray for these items throughout the week. Consider fasting and praying with us on Wednesday. As a number of us will be fasting and praying all day long Wednesday, pleading with God for the lives of the unborn. You can fast for one or more meals, right? Whatever God leads you to do, whatever you're able to do, use that time to pray for the various items on your prayer sheet. So first of all, you can pray. Secondly, you can walk, right? You can put feet to your prayers. You know, we walk for so many other things, right? We walk for exercise. We walk to the refrigerator to get a snack in the middle of the night. We, we walk to, around the grocery store to pick up food items for the week. And you can walk for life. You can do this. It's not a long walk. It's just a couple of blocks. And so I encourage you to join us Saturday for our prayer walk. As we're just going to walk to our local abortion clinic and present a loving presence of prayer and support for women and their unborn children. So Saturday, 9 a.m., we'll be meeting down the street just in front of the Baptist church there. All the details are on the website. Just click on Love Life. Please join us uh, as we walk for life. And then the third thing you can do is you can vote. You can vote. These are all matters of the heart, but so much of this comes down to public policy, right? Do we really want to be a nation that enshrines abortion into law and takes away the rights of innocent children in the womb? So I encourage you, commit to vote for leaders who view human life as sacred at all stages, from womb to tomb. Commit to vote for leaders who will take a stand for life and protecting the unborn. So there you have it. Three very simple things you can do this week, right, to apply the truths from today's message. Pray, walk, vote. You see, God loves life, and he calls us to love life too. So the question I leave you with this morning is, what will you do to answer his call? What will you do to speak up and defend the rights of the little ones in the womb? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word which reveals your heart to us. A tender heart of love and compassion and delight in all that you have made. A special love for human beings created in your image. The sanctity of life that begins in the womb. Our call to love one another 
our call to help the helpless, our call to rescue the perishing. Lord, may we take these truths to heart and begin living them out in our lives, even this week, taking advantage of the opportunities you've given us to take a stand for life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.